Our scripture text this morning is taken from the book of Hebrews, toward the end of the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 4, I'll be reading verses 4 through 16. It's on page number 1,866 in your pew Bibles, if you want to turn to it there. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In the book that we are using as a study guide for this Lenten church-wide study, Max Lucado's great book, Unshakable Hope, Building Our Lives on the Promises of God. Max tells this story. On a splendid April afternoon in 2008, two college women's softball teams, one from Oregon, one from Washington, squared off beneath the blue sky of the Cascade Mountains. Inside a chain-link fence, before a hundred fans, the two teams played a decisive game. The winner would advance to the playoffs, the loser would hang up the gloves and go home. Kind of reminds me of a couple basketball games in the Final Four in March Madness, college basketball teams. Anybody watch the games last night? Couple, all right. Yeah, very, very exciting. Anyhow, this, however, is sort of like that, but not really. This is softball. This is women's instead of men's, but you got the picture. The Western Oregon Wolves were a sturdy team that boasted several strong batters. But Sarah Tucholsky was not one of them. She was hitting 153 and played in the game only because the first string right fielder had muffed the play earlier in the day. Sarah had never hit a home run, but on that Saturday with two runners on base, she connected with a curveball that hung over the plate like a grapefruit and sent it sailing over the left field fence. In her excitement, Sarah missed first base. Her coach shouted for her to return and touch it. When she turned, she started back and something popped in her knee and down she went. She dragged herself back to the bag and pulled her knee to her chest in pain and asked the first base coach, what do I do? The coach wasn't sure. He knew if any of Sarah's teammates assisted her, she would be out. Sarah knew if she tried to stand, she would collapse. Her team couldn't help her. Her leg couldn't support her. 
How could she cross home plate? The umpires huddled for a talk. And while they huddle and Sarah groans, Max says, may I make a comparison? Blame it on the preacher in me, but see an illustration in this moment. You and I have a lot in common with Sarah Tachowski. We too have stumbled, not in baseball, but in life, in morality, honesty, integrity. We have done our best only to trip and fall. Our finest efforts have left us flat on our backs. Like Sarah, we are weakened, not with torn ligaments, but with broken hearts, weary spirits, and fading vision. The distance between where we are and where we want to be is impassable. What do we do? Where do we turn? I suggest we turn to one of the sweetest promises in the Bible. As I read, Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, For our high priest, Jesus, is able to understand our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, but he did not sin. Let us then feel very sure that we can come before God's throne where there is grace. There we will receive mercy and grace to help us when we need it. You see, we have a high priest who is able to understand. Since he understands, we find mercy and grace when we need it. We're not left to languish when we fall. We're not forgotten. When we stumble, we're not abandoned. God gets us. In this study, we're standing on the promises of God. We have unshakable hope, even in this shaky and insecure world. Promise number six, God gets you. Focuses on how Jesus knows all about us and understands our weaknesses. For God gets you. God became one of us. The marvelous, mysterious truth of the incarnation is that God came and took on flesh. John 1.14 says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. John chapter 1 verse 14. This is not just a Christmas miracle. Yes, we talk about it in Advent and all around the Christmas holiday. But it's not just Christmas. It's a reality that pervades and prevails in all of our lives as we trust in Him. God became flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. He was miraculously conceived and naturally delivered. He was born and yet born of a virgin, a virgin, Mary. Max continues. Had Jesus simply descended to earth in the form of a mighty being, we would respect him, but never draw near to him. After all, how could God understand what it means to be human? 
had Jesus been biologically conceived with two human parents, we would draw near to him, but would we want to worship him? After all, he would be no different than you and me. But Jesus was both God and human at the same time. Then we have the best of both worlds. Think about it. Neither his humanity nor deity compromised. He was fully human. He was fully divine. Because of the first, we draw near to him. Because of the latter, we worship. We lift him up. Such is the message of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. The Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Which means not one drop of divinity was lost in His change to humanity in the incarnation. The fullness of God, every bit of Him, took residence in the body of Christ. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him. Colossians 1.19, a different translation. The star maker, for a time, built cabinets in Nazareth. Because he was God, he knows everything, and he understands everything. His omniscience carries over as God. Because he was a man, he understands everything about our humanness, everything about us. For God gets us. He came down to earth. We use expressions like down to earth, approachable. One of us. He's been there. And all of these apply to Jesus perfectly. Again, Max says, does this promise matter? If you ever wonder if God understands you, this promise matters. If you ever wonder if God listens, it does. If you ever wonder if the uncreated creator can, in a million years, comprehend the challenges you face, then ponder long and hard the promise of the incarnation. Jesus is able to understand our weakness. No one, the one, the one who hears your prayers understands your pain. He never scoffs or shrugs off or dismisses a physical struggle. He had a human body. Are you troubled in spirit? He was too. John twelve twenty seven. Are you so anxious you could die? He was too. Matthew twenty six thirty eight. Are you overwhelmed with grief? He was too. John eleven thirty five. Have you ever prayed with loud cries and tears? He did too. Hebrews 5, 7. He gets you. 
so human he could touch people, so mighty he could heal them. So human he spoke with an accent, probably southern Galilean from the town of Nazareth. But so heavenly he spoke with authority. So human he could blend in unnoticed for 30 years. So mighty he could change history and be unforgotten for 2,000 years. All man and all God. And then in his grandest deed, he volunteered to feel the consequences of our sin. That's the good news. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus didn't deserve to feel shame, to take on our guilt, but he felt it. He didn't deserve the humiliation, but he experienced it. He had never sinned, yet he was treated like a sinner. He became sin. All the guilt, remorse, and embarrassment, Jesus understands it. Does this promise matter to you and me today? To the hypocrite it does. To the person with the hangover, the fuzzy memory from last night's party, it does. To the cheater, the slanderer, the gossip, the scoundrel who comes to God with a humble spirit. It matters. It matters because they, they need to know that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. His throne of grace gives us boldness, the confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Because Jesus is human. He understands you. Because Jesus is divine, he can help you. In conclusion, Jesus is uniquely positioned to carry us home. Jesus does for us what Mallory Holtman did for Sarah Tuchowski. Sarah, remember, is the girl who tore her ACL during her home run trot around the bases? When we left her, she was lying on the ground, clutching her knee with one hand and touching first base with the other. The umpires huddled. The players stood and watched. The fans shouted for someone to take Sarah off the field. But she didn't want to leave. She wanted to cross home plate. Mallory Holtman came up with a solution. Mallory played first base for the opposing team, Central Washington University. She was a senior and wanted to win. She wanted a victory. A loss would end her season. Think Mallory would be happy to see the home run nullified? She wasn't. Hey, she said to the umpires, can I help her around the bases? Why would you do that? One of the umps asked her. Before she could answer, the ump shrugged and said, do it. So Mallory did. 
She signaled to the shortstop to help her, and the two walked toward the injured player. We are going to pick you up and carry you around the bases, they said. By this time, tears streaked Sarah's cheeks. Thank you. Mallory and her friend put one hand under Sarah's legs and the other hand under Sarah's arms. The mission of mercy began. They paused long enough at second and third to lower Sarah's foot to touch the bases. By the time they headed home, the spectators had risen to their feet. Sarah's teammates had gathered at home plate, and Sarah was smiling like a homecoming queen. And, well, she should. The only one who could help her did help. And because she did, Sarah made it home. God offers to do the same for you and me. Mallory's message for Sarah is God's message for us. I'm going to pick you up and carry you home. Let him, won't you? You can't make it on your own. But Jesus has the strength you don't have. He, after all, is your great high priest, able and willing to help you in your time of need. Let him do what he came to do. Let him carry you home. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we know that you know all about us. You know our needs even before we ask. You know and understand because you've been there and you are here. Oh Lord, I pray that you would comfort our hearts wherever we are and whatever we're facing this morning. We thank you that we can come together to seek you and draw near to you, knowing that you are worthy to be praised and are witness to our hurts. Come, Lord Jesus, fill our hearts with your love and compassion, mercy and grace in this and every time of need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.